1: This is The Pitchwork Review, the show about the musicians we're obsessed with and the albums you need to know right now. I'm Pooja Patel, the editor-in-chief, and today we're going to talk about 2022 in rap. And to do all of that, I'll be joined by staff writer Alphonse Pierre and contributor Dylan Green. Hello, friends.
0: Peace. Thank y'all for having
2: me. <laughs> What's up, Pooja?
1: So I wanted to kind of talk about something that we have a lot of conversations about generally in the staff and also just specifically within hip hop, which is what the role of the album is in rap in the present day. You know, we are in the business of reviewing albums and treating albums like they are the most complete form of the art, right? But rap doesn't move that way. You know, rap is a singles-based genre in my perspective, especially in the way that rap moves right now. It moves so fast. People are not waiting to like put out a perfectly curated like release in the way that they once were. So I'm wondering if you think it makes sense to talk about rap in the context of an album anymore or just what your perspective is on how it's being released and how that's changing more
2: and more. I mean, that's something that I think about every single time I write an album review is Mm -hmm. if this is an album where the intention is to be an album or is it just to like push a song is it to push a couple songs I know everybody has their like Spotify recaps stuff at the end of the year but I listen to a lot of my albums on SoundCloud and it was because I found it easier to just like press like and save the songs that I did like from those albums that where the intention wasn't to make a great full body of work but to like just throw darts at the wall and see what sticks mm-hmm. yeah
1: dylan do you have any thoughts
0: i think there are plenty of people who are still preoccupied with like albums as like a statement so like i look at somebody like batman real who i know we've all been talking about for a while at this point a minute and like his mixtape club godfather is like that's not really something that's trying to tell a story from beginning to end. Like, that's what I would consider, like, a collection of just, like, these are some hot songs. And mm-hmm. that's cool because he does that well. She over, I'm but then you look at somebody like Silk Money. And Mm -hmm. his tape, he just dropped, I don't give a fuck about this rap shit, I'm gonna just drop until I don't feel like it anymore. That's (laughs) the whole title, by the way. (laughs) That isn't like a Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers in terms of like, this is the story of the project. But like, that's something that's clearly meant to be like, this is a complete project. All of these songs feed into a whole. Cause right. like the whole thing is tied together by um Hollywood shuffle
2: samples. I
0: I think it's just kind of become like a choose what you make of it type of situation mm-hmm. where like there's less of an inclination for people to want to make albums, but that makes the people who are actually making statements, I'm here, this is what I want to say, totally. you know? We're kind of getting back to the, <laughs> can't believe I'm about to say this. we're getting back to the essence when things were just singles, <laughs> you know? <like.
1: laughs> Dylan, you mentioned yeah. Mr. Morrell and the big steppers, and I feel like every Kendrick Lamar release is inherently extremely highly anticipated, and there are outsized expectations of a Kendrick Lamar release. Which is, you know, ironic because this album addresses that head on, right? This album is devoted to talking about whether or not anyone should have expectations of Kendrick and what they can or can't be. You wrote about it for the site. You described it as everything, everywhere, all at once. Tell me about that album. Tell me about your sense of anticipation, your sense of expectation, and then how it landed when you heard it okay
0: so I was um I might have been one of the very 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 few people who was kind of lukewarm on damn you are I one mean, of the very know.
1: few people <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: like Alphonse on he,
1: Beyonce Dylan on Kendrick <laughs> <you know?
0: laughs> don't get me wrong I liked damn, but I wasn't like it, it just it just didn't stick with me the way I expected it to but like I was still excited about new Kendrick because like how can you not be I said I to let you know what a nigga look like In a bulletproof rover In my mama's sofa Was a doodle a Hair or Walk up closer Ain't no photoshopping Friends bipolar Grab you by your pockets No option if you froze up Always play the offense Niggas going to work And selling work Late for work Working late praying for work But he on paperwork My big thing with the heart part five Was that like As technically astonishing As that song is that song is so tied to the video that it's difficult for me to really listen to it. Like, Can you I describe to the-,
1: the video real quick?
0: So the video is like Kendrick rapping in front of a red backdrop. And every once in a while, his face morphs into somebody else's, whether it's Will Smith or Kanye or uh, Nipsey Hussle. There might be somebody else, Jussie Smollett. Um, I think that's it, but just, like, Kendrick kind of taking on all these uh, all these people who are kind of, like, embroiled in some sort of controversy. Mm-hmm. The song, like, obliquely references those things when the person's face pops up. And because of that, I never want to go back and listen to the heart part five all the way through without watching the video, mm-hmm. you know? But, like, the tone of it really—I f- I feel like the tone of it kind of prepared me to uh, get ready— for mr morale because then when i turned on mr morale and ran the whole thing through one time i was like i'm really happy that kendrick's in a place where he can be honest with himself but i didn't need this (laughs) like i'm happy you're going to therapy i'm happy you're figuring this out i'm happy you feel comfortable talking to us about your sex life bro thank you but like (laughs) it's uh i didn't need this I'm just I'm just tired of rich people talking about cancel culture. I'm just over it. And it's just like outside of maybe four songs, I haven't really gone back to it,
2: you know. So what what you dislike about it is it the thorniness of it? Yeah, like
0: he just sounds so grumpy. He sounds like he made it to the top of the mountain and he's extremely grumpy and <laughs> he uh he kind of put himself in like the "I'm the greatest of all time" mm-hmm. position, you know. Like that's also a really big theme of this album. To
1: be fair to him, everyone yeah. else has also put him in the greatest that's of sh- all time bucket. Right. You know, he literally won a Pulitzer. Right.
2: <laughs> when I was watching that movie uh, Tar, I was I kept thinking about the album. <laughs> I, I I kept I kept I was sitting there in the theater. <laughs> I, I, I feel like if they sat in the room together, him and like Todd Fields or something. They, they, they would they probably get along or something. But uh, I could see it. <laughs> I oh, don't know. I kept thinking oh, about
1: what was Oh, what was your take on the album?
2: <laughs> I mean, I think it's similar to how I feel about the movie I just mentioned in that I kind of enjoy talking about it more than I actually enjoy listening to it. Mm-hmm. He's definitely thinking about his position as like a great rapper and what that means and what could possibly challenge that. What could possibly risk that. I think it's like an interesting thought process, but like the songs itself, I don't really go back to that much.
1: I do feel like one of the main conversations around the Kendrick album was kind of like, who are you speaking to? Who is this for? Especially with the Taylor Page song, I think folks were kind of just like, I hear this and I hear you and I hear this expression, but like, who do you want to be hearing this? And I think that when you can't necessarily find that person, it's harder to make an album resonate. I
0: swear I'm tired of these emotional ass, ungrateful ass bitches. Oh, Unstable ass no ass dumb bitches. You wanna bring a nigga down. Even when I'm trying to do right. We could go our separate ways right now. You go move on with your life. Why you nigga, you love a pity party, I won't show up. Always act like your shit
1: don't stink. Motherfucker
2: grow up. Forever. Not gonna lie, that the Taylor Pace song is the one I played the most. I don't know why. It's like it's like very like theater Yeah, uh-huh. but, It's full. It's <laughs> but, full
1: theater. It's full yeah,
2: theater. Yeah, really. yeah. And even that idea, I feel like a lot of rappers, especially like the the extremely popular ones were definitely interested in what they could and couldn't say. I mean, it was something I was thinking about with her loss mm-hmm. and a few of the punchlines on there that kind of took over the narrative of that album, Yeah, especially like the one about the Megan The Stallion incident. I've been blowing through the money like you grown cheese. I've been fucking on a French bitch, say la vie. I just put them on a jet, now they all Italian. way I'm dressing till I've been to a thousand dollars. This bitch lie by getting shots, but she's still a stallion. She don't even get the joke, but she's still smiling. Every night, late night, like I'm Jimmy Fallon. Crow shoot from anywhere like you Ray Allen. I mean, Drake is somebody who is extremely intentional. Like, everything he does is on purpose, so... Yeah. I know there's people that say, oh, it's a double entendre, whatever. Everything he does is extremely purposeful, so he's definitely thinking about what he can and can't say or things that maybe have been not weighing on him. Like I know Dylan, you wrote about the drama album, and he has a reference to that, and that kind of got like brushed under the rug a bit. So he could have left it alone, but he he was definitely thinking about like what he could and couldn't say. You know, there are
0: people who think that he was talking about. Well, I'm one of them. That he was talking about Ice Spice one time. Mm-hmm. There's people. I just saw a TikTok yesterday where somebody was breaking down how one lyric was about XXX Tentacion too. Like
2: mm-hmm. you're watching, yeah. you're watching her lost lyric breakdown.
0: <laughs> it, it, it popped up on <laughs> my For You page, bro. I didn't go looking for uh, it. I
2: can't, I can't relate uh, to that.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about that
1: album. Respectfully, who can care about Drake anymore? That's how I feel about Drake. He is still one of the most famous musicians, period. He like trumps Kendrick um, in streams and everything else. So I feel like there was, you know, Drake put out two albums this year. Honestly, Nevermind was Over the Summer her loss was the one people got excited about because it was with 21 Savage because Jimmy Cooks off uh, honestly never mind was like the only song that felt right. like it was like here this is a straight rap song on on a dance album. Yeah. And Her Loss to me was just like flat as hell. What was your take? on that like are should we ever be excited about a drake project
2: i mean we we can i was kind of just more like not not disappointed disappointed is too strong of a word but just like
1: disappointed is too strong of a word
2: (laughs) i don't know disappointed (laughs) makes it makes it sound like you're like finger wagging at him but uh (laughs) but you you were right about jimmy cooks being the song like that was the song on honestly nevermind that went number one and that was the only song on that album that was just like a straightforward just typical Drake song and even though I wasn't crazy about Honestly Neverminds the, the fact that Drake responded to the reaction to it like that by pretty much saying oh people like Jimmy Cook's I'm going to make an album of songs right, right. pretty much exactly like it it, it was just kind of just like left like a bad taste in my mouth it kind of just felt like very like oh Netflix, this TV show worked, so we're going to make 10 Mm -hmm. more shows like it, like very, like, algorithmic. The album definitely felt like that. Mm -hmm. Like, even 21 Savage's presence is not even that heavily felt on the album. It kind of feels thrown together and rushed. It's weird because, yeah, like, we're at a point where Drake's definitely, he's past his
0: peak. I would say, and it's definitely all downhill from here in a lot of ways. J- j- just Dylan, like, Dylan
1: Green calling it on uh, the Pitchfork Pod. I,
0: it's all downhill I just, I, from here. I just can't see him getting any bigger than he is at this right. point. But but like the thing that really interested me about both these albums is that like. I really enjoyed Honestly Nevermind, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. mainly because it's just like so different from anything he's ever done. And the stuff across Honestly Nevermind and her loss that really resonated with me was the stuff that was different. You know, like Massive was one of my favorite songs of the year. Mm-hmm.
2: I was alone, I was alone in this world, and I needed people. I know my funeral don't be late, cause how I like treated people. I don't wanna go, I don't wanna
0: Like, it sounds like Kia Sedona commercial music, and I love it. (laughs) I love—that's my whole steez when it comes to dance music and all that stuff. And even, like, uh, the stuff that resonated with me on Her Loss. Yeah, can you call out a song for me that was doing it for you on Her Loss? 3AM in Glenwood is my favorite song on Her Loss. I'ma leave a lot of niggas covered in roses for him. Spray the witness, I ain't leaving no Jehovah for them. Won a Grammy and I couldn't even show it to him. Put my face inside a lineup, niggas know that I'm him. Because it's basically just 21 Savage doing a Drake timestamp song, (laughs) you know, like in his own way, like doing it over like the 40, the watery beat, you know, like everything's kind of turned down in like a high tech lo-fi sort of way. And he's just going, you know, like 21's not a rapper that I would call tender in any Mm -hmm. way. (laughs) And that song is like the closest he gets, like, because like there's a bit near the middle where he says, I lost so many people, I could kill everyone in the world and still not be even. You know, like the way he says that I'm just like, can we like take a
1: moment and talk about 21 Savage? Because I feel like 21 Savage does appear on some of the best music, like Cash and Cash Out, Surround Sound, two songs that are our personal, like on
0: our year end rap list. Mm -hmm. Like, are we excited about 21 Savage? I've been a 21 Savage fan since the Slaughter Gang days, you know, like, since, like, just before Savage Mode came out. I love the tone of his voice. He's also, like, incredibly funny. Like, to Mm -hmm. me, he's been, like, to me, me, he's been one of the funniest rappers working, you know, like, just, like, whether it's just him being deadpan or just, like, him, like, making, like, an honest-to-goodness joke, like, he's just, it's really hard to sound like you don't care but have your music come
2: across like you do. Right. (laughs) For me, I don't think I, like, check that heavily for 21 Savage music right now mm-hmm. I mean I feel like there are a lot of rappers in Atlanta who have maybe been either affiliated with him or slightly influenced by him that I feel are more exciting to me like whether that be somebody like Young Nudie or mm-hmm. even there was a newer rapper this year in Atlanta who dropped a mix-up a couple of weeks ago named Baby Drill and his voice is different than 21 Savage that's a little bit higher pitched but the beats they're definitely like in the mold of like that like eerie savage mm-hmm. mode sound mm-hmm. where everything sounds like you know like the horror movie where the floor is creaking <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely feel like He's had a good influence on the sound of Atlanta rap, but the rappers who are using that influence are, I feel, are making more interesting music than him right now.
1: Well, we we have, I mean, that touches on something that we spend a lot of time talking about, which is, like, the younger or rising class of musicians who are influencing the bigger leagues. And when we were talking about, honestly, never mind... Dylan, bless you for loving that album. I would rather just listen to an actual dance record. Uh but also fair. But with that said, there, you know, Drake is a master of taking a sound that is very, very popular regionally, pulling it into one of his songs and making that the hit of his album. Right. He's a
0: wave surfer for sure. And
1: for I mean, we've seen it with Kid. We saw it with, like, Bounce. We saw it with Big Baby Drum. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> and on, honestly, never mind. For me, the song was sticky. It's, like, the only song I will listen to. It is extremely informed by Jersey Club music. And I feel like that is the more exciting movement.
2: Yeah, if I'm with two of them, then it's a threesome. is she alone, you know she a freak one. If it's an escort, it's a police one.
1: That's a use of Drake to me, is he pulls out a tiny bit of something that is a way for people to explore something much more interesting. I mean, Dylan, you are a Jersey kid. Al, you've done some reporting on the Jersey club scene and the Jersey rap scene. I would love to just talk about that some more. Like, tell me what's going on there.
0: So, like, a Jersey club beat, or really just, like, a club beat in particular is just, like, really, really high speed tempo, usually backed by some kind of sample and a very, very specific drum pattern. It's just like a one, two, one, two, three, one, like that's that's club music, you know, (laughs) like naturally that makes it really, really difficult to rap over. You got to be skilled to catch a beat that fast. So to see so many people kind of grasping onto that right now is, you know, just like impressive in the sense that like, damn, like you can like you can like breathe like that like you know mm-hmm. and not have it not sound winded after you know it's like a triathlon like watching someone make it to the other side and be like damn like you <laughs> did that <laughs> truly, like truly, you know like truly i love that
2: <laughs> yeah i think in this new iteration of club rap because there has been rappers or artists who have rapped over club beats before the artist that Dylan pointed out before was Bandman Rill, who I first started noticing about last year, and he's from Newark, and he was rapping over like even faster than usual <laughs> like club beats because the his main producer McVert, a producer from that area in Newark of this crew called Project X, was making beats that were at like one seventy, one eighty BPM. Which like I remember when I was talking to DJ J Hood, an important figure in Jersey Shout Club, out to uh, he was talking about how his sweet spot for BPM was like around like one forty five or something like mm-hmm. that. So what these younger producers like McVirt were doing were even like almost too fast for him. He was like they're kind of going crazy. But <laughs> what Ben Real did was that he kind of merged a drill scene that was getting popular. In Jersey, where they were using like fast, kind of loud barking, almost flows that were very inspired by the drill scene happening in New York with these club beats, and it kind of took off from there.
1: I am really excited to talk some more about all of this and some other local scenes and regional stuff that you've been into, and we'll do that right after the break.
0: You come to the New Yorker Radio Hour for conversations that go deeper with people you really want to hear from, whether it's Bruce Springsteen or Questlove or Olivia Rodrigo, Liz Cheney, or the godfather of artificial intelligence, Jeffrey Hinton, or some of my extraordinarily well-informed colleagues at The New Yorker. So join us every week on The New Yorker Radio Hour wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: So we're back with Alphonse Pierre and Dylan Green, and one thing that I really wanted to talk about, and I think we all universally agree on, is that a big takeaway of this year is that the women really fucking killed it. Really nice to see that, you know, in following the path of Megan's great success in the last couple of years, we see Glorilla, we see Ice Spice, we see... Cardi like appearing left and right but not putting out an album um, mm-hmm. and it felt refreshing you know it's like it felt like a refreshing wave of stuff after the intensity of some of the other things that were coming out in like the mainstream or on the radio so I'd love to just talk about that like FNF Glorilla's FNF song of the yeah. year you know oh,
0: yeah.
1: I'm <laughs> ill-R-E-E nigga free That me i ain't got to prayer but a fool nigga chick and i'm s i n g l e y u again. you hanging out the rodeo with my wretched ass friends dillon what is your read on kind of her career where she's at what might come next
0: seeing her rise has been beautiful you know like mm-hmm. she's just like like she's just so full of personality, and just like she's like really wholesome, and just like super, just like you could tell she's happy to be here. <laughs> you know, like from the first time I heard F and F, like the melody just kind of embedded itself right there, and it hasn't really left. But the one that really got me was tomorrow. Tomorrow was one where I was like, oh yeah, like she's gonna be a star. You know, like this The first is... couple
2: lines are so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like pop and shit like
0: <laughs> yeah popping shit you think i was a chiropractor like oh like oh, <laughs> just, she, she, she she she's got it bro i'm i'm just like it's been a while since there's been a woman in hip-hop that like everyone's kind of united around like i can't mm-hmm. think of anybody who has anything bad to say about her and to see someone like cardi kind of be like let me bless you with this remix is really nice to me you know like cardi's always kind of been super gracious in that way I think
2: Tomorrow 2 was one of my songs of the year. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. I-, I hated on Tomorrow 2 at first just because I I I feel like I'm skeptical about everything. And I, I-, I-, I, saw- I saw the Cardi B verse and I was just like, this is really doing more for Cardi B than this is for Glorilla. But the Cardi verse is so good. I don't speak dog I don't care what no bitch said. No. I say. I her mind I got condos in that bitch head. Hey. She said she don't fuck with me. Mm-hmm. Who said that you can't no. Ho? That
0: It's really easy to look at something like that as like the, oh, this is like the big rapper coming to glom onto the up and coming star. But the chemistry just, they just work together. I don't know.
1: I I do feel like Cardi cosigns more than gloms. Definitely. And that's why those collabs always seem to work is because she lets the other person breathe a little.
0: Yeah, she's no Drake (laughs) (laughs) or Nicki Minaj for that matter. In my
1: mind, I feel like Lorilla and Ice Spice, they're just like rapping at such a high level.
0: Yeah, Like
1: it's half of it is swag, right? Like half of it is just attitude and confidence and like bars. But it's also that they're like performing at such a high level. Can we talk about Munch?
0: He wanna sex, niggas be dreamin' off am from the X, niggas be schemin'. I'm on their neck, stays not breathing Thumb in a check, bloating demons You thought I was feeling you? No that nigga, that nigga munch Nigga eat it, he ate it for lunch Bitch i my a baddie, I get what I want like You thought I was feeling you? No That, I was you? that nigga munch <laughs> <laughs>
2: nigga eat- Another best song of the year <laughs> Ice Spice, I mean that was like her like fourth or fifth single And she started mm-hmm. putting out music like seriously about last year And then earlier this year she had Name of Love And then she had a freestyle on a popular new york freestyle series called on the radar and then right after that came munch and the songs really you're right the songs are just like all personality just all charisma all her just coming up with phrases that become sayings Uh like the amount of times i just hear just like munch just like in public or somebody call yeah. somebody that as an <laughs> insult or maybe a playful insult oh. and even the lyrics for her song bikini bottom people just using them as some sort of mm-hmm. mantra how can i lose is- when i'm already chosen
0: <laughs> how can i lose if i'm already chose like if she feeling hot then i make that bitch frozen i got a bitch tie every time that i post damn if the party not lit then i rather not go if she feeling hot then i make that bitch frozen i got a bitch every time that i post and like she sounds so new york
1: yeah and it's interesting that you called out that, you know, Ice Spice sounds New York. Like, Lorilla sounds Tennessee You're right. and Elva Lineage. And isn't that part of what's so exciting? That we're like back in a place where there are people popping up from all these other spots around the country and there's not a monopoly of a scene. It's right. like we're back to like, this is party music or like, this right. is like music that gets me going and that's why I'm into it, not because it's like on the radio or
0: like every, New York is popping, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's right. from everywhere. I'm with you 100%. Like it's just it's just really dope to see people who are like from where they're from and proud of that and really kind of steep themselves in that tradition, whatever it might be. And like Glorilla and Ice Spice are two great examples of that.
2: Yeah, but the New Yorkness is a good point about like Ice Spice because she does sound like a larger, than, like she has that larger life. Yeah. Like, charisma but she also sounds like somebody that you would like i'm from new york you probably grow up knowing oh yeah and i I feel like that's that's an important like two-hander to have
1: it sounds i mean it sounds like the thing that is so appealing about sounding like where you're from is that it gives it like this authentic confidence right like you're just like talking about your real shit instead of i feel like a lot of the like the drakes of the world are cosplaying absolutely yeah but let's Al, you do a really great job of pointing out scenes and like making sure you're paying attention to like a lot of different music that pops up everywhere. Where is the best music coming from right now?
2: I mean, Milwaukee was definitely. A scene that I heavily paid attention to this year. Like, mm-hmm. I wrote about it multiple times. There were there were notable mixtapes like there was marijuana, EXO, and Joe Pablo's Window Service. I came out like around Christmas time last year, so I started counting for this year, and it basically is them like shit talking, talking about it's like cooking drugs and being brothers and, and just about like their brotherly bond or whatever and then there was also YouTube channels I paid a lot of attention to like Certified Trapper who had a couple songs like All Night Flights mm-hmm. and Slime and it was it was more about like just like the experience of watching somebody just flood their YouTube every day with songs and music videos Left, right i am a to glaze the whole
0: street place Every whole bitch street a trap nigga like me
2: All of his music videos are recorded in his bedroom Uh, or kitchen. Sometimes uh, he goes to like a gas station and he just like sets up like kind of like a webcam and just kind of just dances in front of it and just wraps it in one take. And then another one that I've highlighted a lot this year was definitely Florida. There was a lot of different types of rap going on in Florida that were like coexisting mm-hmm. there was the more melodic pain rap I think of somebody like T9 from Tampa
0: I'm at the B&B. my phone on D&D. I keep losing pace and cut it. Say you me then go ahead I'll find another I'll
2: there were the influence of Detroit of like the Michigan rap beats mm-hmm. and the connection between those two places is that the Detroit beats tend to be a little bit of a faster pace than a, a traditional like rap beat. And in Florida, they have a sound called fast music, which is just like this pitched up, sped up remix version of the original songs. Mm-hmm. And they kind of like met in the middle by being influenced by those Detroit beats. So there were rappers like Golden Boy Count from D-Land, Florida. Who I, I know I know Dylan, you wrote a little bit about him. Yeah. Man. And he, he's kinda of just like straight up just punchlines after uh-huh. punchline.
0: down a piece and cooking dope on with the street I just got peas, I'm eat oh, my mom. I got like thirty plus. I don't need niggas. Put off in that bitch, then,
2: then there was even like scenes in Florida that were influenced by drill music. You have the scene in Jacksonville. I'm more partial to the scene going on in like West Palm Beach. You had these rappers like Mari Montana and Reese Sosa. i been trying to duck diamonds, that's why ain't yet. I heard say, know traffic, I'ma leave it on
0: the head rest.
2: It kinda of functioned like drill, but mm-hmm. also influenced by kind of like the no limit new orleans cash money sound of like late 90s yeah. and there was just so much going on in florida and i think a couple of my favorite albums this year were fast remix albums yeah like the remix album of a uh, real boston richie this other rapper from fort lauderdale named fcg heme he had this album called shallow side baby mm. which i didn't really like the original version that much but the fast version is album i played a lot
1: what do you think the thing is why is everyone trying to get so crazy fast
2: I mean, people want to dance to music. I mean, even even like drill in New York, people want to dance to Mm -hmm. music, even if what they're saying doesn't really make you want to dance. Yeah, Because it's a lot of times like brutal or violent or like dark, but they do want to dance to these sounds.
1: You know, how do you handle the dissonance of what you were just talking about, Al, which was like, you want to dance, right? And it's like this really emphatically moving music, right? Like it like shakes you to your core and that's like what moves you. And at the same time, there are elements of it that are dark, like deeply dark. How do you handle those two things at once? You know, either as a critic or as a listener.
2: Drill has become a pretty broad term. Yeah, Just because there are so many offshoots of it. You know, I mean, from the beginning of the year, you had... The Eric Adams press conference where he's talking about drill music and he's saying that, you know, I want to get drill banned or taken off YouTube or whatever. And then I wrote about this song by a trio of Brooklyn rappers called the Naughty Bop, which is a very dark song where this trio, Jen Carter, Kyle Rich and Tata. The song was over a backyardian sample and made up a dance about this rapper named Naughty Osama in Harlem who got stabbed and killed at 14 years old on a subway platform this summer. And they made up a song and a dance to imitate, like, the motion of him dying, you know. It was something that went viral on TikTok, and it, it was it was the, darks, the darkest side of the mm. genre, you know, that what you're listening to, what you're dancing to, in some cases, you know, is pulling from or being enhanced by these scenarios, being enhanced by record labels. I mean, I think it's one of the hardest, (laughs) at least for me, subgenres of rap to write about just because of how direct it is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember when I was writing about that song, the Naughty Bop, I was just thinking about, like, the line between, like, like when Chicago Drill was taking off in, like, the early-mid-2010s, there was a lot of writing on it that was tonally off, Yeah. It was either, like, the ones that were just, like, fetishizing it or the ones that were, like, finger-wagging at it too heavily. Right. Like, you don't want to be on either of those sides where you're just like, oh, it was just music, yada, yada. Or that you're, like, looking down on it in a way. Mm -hmm. It's something that's difficult to write about, difficult to wrangle with because there is music that I like. Right. Yeah. Okay, so what was
1: your favorite song of
2: the year? That's a tough question. I mean, there are songs that... I listen to Cash Cobain and the Childish Jay Holiday a lot this year.
0: She tried to fuck on my friend so I got to get back back, yo. I had to act bad, I'm trying to put her to sleep out, like I'm trying to get act back. I beat the back down. I had to rob her phone like for a nice I put the bitch in a sleep, I put her to sleep and I make the bitch tempo. No. I ain't trying to see the we drag ten of the whip and a Glock on my lap now. She told me she was a keeper but she let me fuck her right up in the trap.
2: Childish is from Hempstead Long Island. And Cash Cobain grew up in the Bronx, was, like, adopted by Queens. The album that they dropped, Too Slizzy, Too Sexy, has a lot of, like, Jersey Club, like, flavor and bounce to it. And it's just, like, very just, like, horny, just, like, dripping, like, sweat and sex and, like, music. (laughs) And it's just, like, it's so fast and they're, like, extremely melodic melting like these like r&b type vocals with like this like sing rap thing going Mm -hmm. on and i I listen to that song so much i listen to the album a lot too slizzy too sexy but yeah that's definitely one of my favorite songs it it reminds me a lot of Sa baby too
0: just like in how horny it is you know like i i i I, I, I like it i like it when people could be honest with themselves
1: this is definitely the podcast episode where we've said horny the most amount
0: of times so you guys are messing up she's Yo, yeah <laughs> um
1: Dylan what's your song song
0: of the year I might just default for now and say tomorrow too
1: wow like it would
0: either be that or think last by baby africa out of uh, inglewood california because um her tape the Art of Geekin', was extra dope
2: drop a dime, she'll pick up a
0: She's kind of been moving and shaking for a couple of years, but she just raps real good. <laughs> and she raps real good. She's funny. She's got a cool voice and she could just flow like no other. So I would say that that's probably either that or Tomorrow 2 would probably be my two favorites. Those are the ones that I keep like coming back to.
1: Well, Dylan and Alphonse, thank you so much for hanging out. This has been
0: fun. Aw, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here.
2: Yeah, for real. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for you.
1: The Pitchfork Review is a production of Condé Nast. Thanks to Alphonse Pierre and Dylan Green. You can read their writing on Kendrick, Drake, the Jersey Club scene, and much more at Pitchfork.com. Catherine Finolosa, at Rococo Punch is our senior producer. James Trout at Rococo Punch is our technical producer. Ryan Domble is our showrunner. Jessica Gramulia is our music supervisor. I'm Pooja Patel. Thanks for listening.